You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. You know, because when you sing, you're singing to God. And I was watching Hillary as she sang, I hear God singing to me. And she sang it a little bit different this time. And I think God has been singing to her, but I think maybe Jamie Gordine, our lead song leader, has been singing because they are now dating in the kingdom of God. beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son whereas the human nature was descended of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by the resurrection of the dead Jesus Christ our Lord through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from all Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. And that's how you obey. Obedience comes from faith. He says, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God or to all in the kingdom who are loved by God. And called to be saved. And then he says, I love this part here. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you feeling God's grace and God's peace? You know, this is so awesome how he opens it on up. He says grace and peace. And yet when you start going through all of Paul's letters, when you go through 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he opens with grace and peace. You go through 2 Corinthians and he opens with grace and peace. You get to Galatians and Ephesians and he he opens with grace and peace. All through the Bible you start looking at how Paul is addressing God's people. And he addresses them with grace and peace. And I really believe if you've not experienced the grace of God, you have no peace with God. And so all of God's people had experienced peace with God. 
because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul then says in chapter, in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. Of course, Greek means dynamite. It's the dynamite of God. He says the gospel can blow any sin out of your life. That's how powerful the gospel message is. He said for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. I, I just looked at this and I'm just trying to go, wow, wow th this is incredible that he wasn't ashamed yeah. of the gospel. But when Paul wrote this letter, this is after he had been a disciple for 20 years. Wow. 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 This is 20 years and he's still not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> Are you with me here? And so he said, well, okay, well, break it down. What, what would he go through? This is after him being shamed by imprisonment. Severe flogging, Luke says, Acts chapter 16, verse 23. This is after, or this is before, rather, Paul had been shamed as he was chased out of Thessalonica, Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Come on, bro. He was shamed by being smuggled out of Berea in the middle of the night, Acts chapter 17, verse 14. He was shamed and mocked in Athens, Acts chapter 17, verse 32. He was shamed and called a fool. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He was shamed and stoned in Galatia. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. He was even shamed in the full-time ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 26. Of course, he says, I've been constantly on the move and all that. And I just, this is how Paul felt. Or this is what Paul went through before he wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Could you have gone through all of this and still been able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? I, I just went. My, and I mean, he's writing Rome. He's writing for, for us here. He's, he's writing. He's writing the queen. <laughs> if you're an American, he's writing the White House. He's writing the, the, the power. Rome had the power. And he says, hey, I'm not ashamed. I know you guys may be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I got baptized in 2000. I became a sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. A pivotal moment for me as a disciple was when God started allowing some of these types of things to happen. I'll never forget. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And yet, I, I'm so honored to be here on Great Portland Street for the Great Commission. Are you with me here? And I, I remember the church started getting just, just weird. Things, things got very weird. My spiritual father in the faith, he, he, he didn't want the gospel anymore. That, that shocked me because he had married Michelle and I. And then three weeks later said, I don't believe in those scriptures I read to you. I said, well, I believe in them. <laughs> I believe in them. And he fell away. And I remember having heavy talk after heavy talk after long talk after long talk. I learned from Argo that Jesus never had any long talks. He had short ones. Just get right to it. <laughs> I was having these long talks. And I didn't know much. I just kept saying, we got to make disciples. We got to get back to the gospel. And because of the Crete letter, there was so much, so much disunity. We know. And I remember getting so sad at all the things that had happened. Yeah. I, I got so sad I couldn't, I just, I could only sing Sanctuary. Yeah. 
I couldn't even speak. And yet the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. To talk for you. I think the Holy Spirit interceded for me and talked for me. I never thought about sanctuary until I actually sang it that day. God was preparing me to not be ashamed of the gospel. After I'd become a disciple. And yet what, what moved me was meeting Kip and Elena for the first time. Yes. They, they, they've been through uh, floggings, uh, beatings, mockery. Uh, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know Kip. I didn't know you were called all those bad things and stuff like that. But the one thing that moved my heart is after going through everything they went through, they came to Portland. And I'll never forget what Kip preached. I remember, remember talking to him and sharing my heart. I remember Kip saying, and I said, bro, I, I just, have I been wrong in really calling people to follow the Bible? Have I been wrong in challenging people? I'm, I'm young, have I been wrong? And he looked me in the eye and says, you never get ashamed of the gospel. You never back down. That conviction is where you hold on to that message. He was unashamed of the gospel, and they still are today. Amen. Don't we have awesome parents in the faith? Yes. You know, I think about being unashamed of the gospel. It is Black History Month, so I'm going to talk about Martin Luther King a little bit. I can do that. In UK, it's Black History Month. Um, he, he, did a, he did a speech called I Have a Dream. And, uh, of course, you know his name was Michael, right? That was his name. His name was Michael. But what's so powerful, what, what, what so inspires me about being here is his father was inspired by the radical European men that love God. And so his father had traveled to Germany. And he got to Germany. He was inspired by Martin Luther's movement. And he changed Martin Luther, Michael uh, King to Martin Luther. Uh, after after. Uh, the Lutheran movement. Obviously, we know they're not disciples, but he was inspired by the men in Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build up the European leaders here. But as I start, I started studying out Martin Luther King a little bit, and I started seeing that who we think we, we know him as a guy who did a speech. I have a dream. That's it. I have a dream, and he's just kind of this kind of nice guy, and he never really. Wanted, can you imagine what we'd be without the civil rights movement? Yeah. I think about that. And yet the civil rights movement will never change the world the way we're trying to change the world. As I started studying him out, I started seeing that who he is, I, I believe, has kind of gotten sanitized and sterilized. I think the same with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And people see him one way when truly... He, he was a radical man yeah. when you begin studying out his life. I, I had no idea that Absalomic threats from people in his own party actually, they, they were the ones who killed him. And it, this isn't just individuals that were, were promoting the, the, the racist agenda. These are black people. Yeah. I'm talking Colin Powell was against him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. His own board condemned him. Yes. He had guys in his, in his leadership team that were so negative against him, he called them a team of wild horses. <laughs> now, if you're in the brother section of uh, Joe's uh, lesson right there, you know horses can be a little unpredictable right there. <laughs> Gallup poll says at the end of his life, he did not make the poll of the top 10 most admired Americans. Wow. His own black school, Morehouse, would not put him on the board of trustees until two years before he died. They said he wasn't a good role model. Went to jail too much. Whoa. 
The last poll of his life, the Harris poll, 75% of American people thought he was irrelevant in the last year of his life. 60% of his own people thought he was, dare we say, uh, persona non grata. Just, you know, doesn't matter. I, I, I had no idea that after giving one of his most controversial speeches, and I thought maybe he was just killed because of preaching civil rights. He was actually killed because he got out of that lane and started preaching some other stuff. Started calling out the sins of America with regard to the Vietnam War. A year to the date, he's killed. And the Sunday sermon that he would have preached, the Thursday he's killed, that Sunday sermon that he would have preached was entitled, America May Go to Hell. <laughs> He died, 39 years old, but the autopsy said his body, and this is of course 1968, said he had the body, the internal organs of a 69-year-old man. The pressure literally was killing him. Literally. Just to try to change the world. Yet every day, he puts one foot in front of the other. Every single day, he puts one foot in front of the other. Every single day, he tells the uncompromising, unbending truth that the world needs to change. Yeah. And he's not even a disciple. <laughs> I, I just, I ask myself a question. Not, am I ashamed of the gospel? But at the end of the, my life, will the gospel be ashamed of me? <laughs> Come on, Michael. What's the legacy you want to leave? <laughs> What is the legacy you want to leave? I love Joe's challenge about the bucket list. And I love reading about Martin Luther King. But I go, I'm in a movement that's much more radical, much more powerful, and it's got an eternal meaning. And it's time for me to leave a legacy and not be ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1. You guys sit with me here? The world's not ashamed. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Check this out. So the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood. For what has been made so that men are without excuse. It says you have no excuse not to believe in God. Although they knew God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. It always starts in your head. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise. They became fools. Exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts, sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the gospel, the truth of God, for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who's forever praised because of this. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Same way men also abandoned natural relations with, with natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. 
come filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed. They're full of envy, murder, deceit, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent ways of doing evil. I think that's the cell phone. Cell phone is wicked, man. I'm telling you. you. You fall away from everything. That cell phone, okay? I mean, it's supposed to be a smartphone. It's making us dumber and dumber and dumber. I mean, we do not have deep relations. I mean, I think, anyway, let's keep going. Senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they also prove of those who practice them. I think the world is described right here in the Bible. I was challenged by it beginning of this passage here in verse 18 talking about suppressing the truth by wickedness yeah. suppressing the truth you can suppress the truth as a disciple yeah. by holding it in unrighteousness yeah. by preaching false doctrine yeah, yeah. by not having an example by standing here at the EMC but not willing to really go anywhere do anything and give up everything for the gospel and you can suppress the truth by your hypocrisy I think the world's not ashamed. When I start looking at the world, I, I, I look at here what's going on in England. I'm going to read you a quote. Tell me what you think about it. Pedophilic interest is natural and normal for human males. At least a sizable minority of males would like to have sex with children. Normal males are aroused by children. This is not some anonymous person hiding online. This was said by Professor Philip Tomovitz at a conference in Cambridge University a year and a half ago, right here. The world's not ashamed. British Humanist Association paid a huge, this ticked me off. I'd wake up in the morning and see this. They paid this huge amount of money to write this statement on all London buses. There's probably no God. Stop worrying. Enjoy life. You're worried about it. Why you put that statement up there? The world's unashamed. Coventry University. They're offering couples 400 pounds to have sex on film. The scheme, which is part of a campaign to promote safe sex, <coughs> will see three sets of individuals between the age of 18 and 25 in natural settings. Videos that will be filmed as, filmed as part of the university's Chance to Change project. Wow. That's right now. Wow. That's an article that was written earlier this week. Really the world's unashamed. <coughs> the world doesn't blush. Yeah. The world's unashamed. And yet the only chance for change is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, verse 6, the Bible says you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, then the end still will come. The Global Peace Index says that there are only 10 countries in the entire world that are not currently at war. Chile, Costa Rica, Switzerland, Mauritius, Japan, Panama, Qatar, Uruguay, and Vietnam. Wow. Everybody else has got some issues. Everybody else is angry and fighting. The gospel message must be preached. And I'm unashamed. I'm not ashamed. You know, I think of being totally changed by the... I, I just got to lift up Carlos Mejia for an incredible job in the class this afternoon. I mean, his sharing just healed so many people and everything that he said was so convicting everybody tell us some special thing that you know Carlos and Carlos every time it's all about God yeah. it's all about God yeah. I've gone through this I've gone through this but it's all about the gospel yeah. I've gone through this I've gone, it's all about
all about God. And don't let anybody take that away from you. And it was powerful. Just how the gospel can heal. I've only got two things to say tonight. The power of the gospel must be heard. When I say the power of the gospel, you say it must be heard. The power of the gospel must be heard. The power of the gospel must be heard. Okay, that's my church. Let's go Romans chapter 1. You guys stay with me? Says the verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Right here he says, hey, the gospel didn't just start in the New Testament. The gospel was foreshadowed even in the Old Testament. What was the first one? I, I think it was Genesis. I think it was Genesis. They sinned. God says, you'll die. They don't die. Instead, he kills something, an animal, and made coverings for them. They were saved. But something had to die. There had to be bloodshed for them to have coverings, for them to have coverings over what they did. And yet I love the fact that, you know, the Bible says that Adam had to give up his ribs. You know, when I was in L.A., I, I'd always hear, I met this guy, told me, you know, Adam, you know Adam's a black man. I said, well, he had to give up one of his ribs, so he couldn't have been a black man. You couldn't have got two chickens on that boat without them getting barbecued or dipped in some sauce or breaded or... I'm not going to share the one from Genesis chapter 4, uh, but how about chapter 5? Let's go Genesis chapter 5. We go old school here. Paul says the gospel was foreshadowed according to scripture. And I know you guys know this one, but I, I, I'll read it to you. I know you get inspired by genealogies. I mean, they, they, they tell you so much. I mean, you, you, you don't skip over that part. You, you go into the genealogy. I, I know you know that. So let's, let's find the gospel here in Genesis chapter 5. It's the written account of Adam's line. God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created a male and female. Bless him. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. He named him who? Seth. Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years. That's pretty, that'd be cranking. Right. He lived 800 years. Right. <laughs> you don't have to watch your carbs or anything. You just say, I'm living 800 years. It's awesome. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Goodbye. Seth had lived 105 years. He became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years, then he died. Verse 9. When Enosh lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, then he died. When Kenan lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalah. That's a different name right there, but he made the Bible, so amen. After he became the father of Mahalala. Exactly. Kenan lived 840 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, then he died. When Mahalala had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. He became the father of Jared. 
Baha'u'llah lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, he lived 895 years. Verse 18. <laughs> when Jared lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Verse 21. When Enoch lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years altogether. Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Methuselah lived 187 years, became the father of Lamech. After that, he became the father of Lamech. Methuselah lived 782 years, verse 28. When Lamech lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said he will comfort us in labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord is cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years. Verse 31, after, altogether, Lamech lived 77, 777 years, then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the church said, Amen. I'm sure you see the gospel right there. It's yep. quite clear, isn't it? Don't give it away if you were there, and you know me. Names have meanings in the Bible. You go to the beginning of this account, the name Adam in English means man. The name Seth in English means appointed. And this is how they're all broken down. The name Enosh means mortal. The name Kenan means sorrow. The name Mahalalau means blessed God. The name Jared means shall come down. The name Enoch means teaching. The name Methuselah means his death shall bring. The name Lamech means the despairing. The name Noah means rest or comfort. Let's put it together. Man is appointed moral sorrow. But the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. That is the gospel of Jesus foreshadowed in the Old Testament right there. Are you with me here, church? That could have been veiled to some of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to preach the gospel. That's a message that we cannot ever stop preaching. We've got to preach the gospel. Not the ministry, but the gospel. We understand the ministry. We know that, but how about the gospel? How about the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for you? He rose for you. And you've got to rise for Jesus. Yeah. Are you preaching the gospel? This is what we've got to preach. We've got to camp out on the gospel. I want to challenge you. Preach the gospel message. Preach the gospel. The power of the gospel can blow any sin out of your life. It can blow any sin out of your life. Lastly, the price of the gospel must be paid. Amen. Luke chapter 14. The price of the gospel must be paid. Come on, Michael. Come on, Come on, Come on, Come on, Come on, with Jesus. Just because you're traveling with Jesus doesn't mean you're walking with God. <laughs> Turn to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross 
and follow me cannot be my disciple. Amen. You know, we got different kind of crosses that we got to carry. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of crosses. Yeah. But we got to carry them to be a true disciple. Yeah. Sometimes a cross gets heavy. It's heavy carrying the cross. Yeah. World evangelism is a challenge. And yet I think we all have our personal crosses. Do you know the cross that you're called to carry? Yeah. What's your personal cross? You know, it's, all, it's like the story. The guy that he gets so tired of carrying his cross, he gets angry about having to carry a cross. He gets frustrated. He says, God, I want to quit. I, want to, I don't want the God. I'm, I'm done. I want to give up. God says, you want to quit? He says, yes. God says, okay, well, take off your, take, set your cross down over there. Just set it down. And go in there and get another cross. So he goes in the room, starts looking. He sees all these incredible crosses. Just light graphite crosses. Not as heavy as the one he's been carrying. He's like, wow, this is cranking. And he turns it around and it says, you're going to die in a year. <laughs> he puts that cross right there. <laughs> he goes and he sees another cross and, and, and he picks, picks it up and it's even lighter. It's just, whoa, blindness. <laughs> I kind of like to see my Nando's chicken right there. I don't like that. So he puts it down. And he's going through the room. He's seeing all the cross. He sees this little dinky cross in the corner. <laughs> That's the one I want. Races over to it, grabs that cross. He goes, God, this is the one I want. God goes, that's the one you came in on. You can have it. Life is about perspective. We've all got crosses to carry. And yet, as I talk to so many in the fellowship, I just go, wow. I, I, there's some of you that are, that are very, very, very special. And I go, wow. I've not had uh, your life, and yet you're preaching the gospel of Jesus. Amen. And it's a special fellowship that we have. He says this here. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost if he has enough to complete it? Money to complete it. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build, was not able to finish. Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off, ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Amen. The price of the gospel has got to be paid. Amen. And the price is simple. Everything. Amen. Everything. Amen. And yet there are two costs to count. The cost of being a disciple, the cost of the gospel message, and coming a disciple, and the cost of not becoming a disciple. Two costs you got to pay. And yet we've got to pay the price. You know, we, we, I think we live in a world where we want discounts. We live in a discount. You got Walmart disciples. My Walmart Jesus. I want this is a little too heavy. Over here, it's, it's Pound Store, right? We got the Pound Store. Pound Store Jesus. Craig, Craigslist Conviction. Gumtree. Why do we go to those places? We want a discount. You want a bargain. And yet Jesus did not die cheap. He bought your soul with his blood. He bought your soul with his blood. 
What's your price? Can you be bought out of the kingdom? You know what my price has been this weekend? My pride. Just pride. Just not wanting to count the cost on my pride and give it up. Wanting to be right. And I just realized, I, I, I'm, you know, when bro, your sauce, I go, I'm in leadership because I've messed up the worst. I've fought what you're thinking. I've done, I've done all the mistakes. That's why I can nail you on it because I've done that. I thought doing that same thing. I just need to stay here so I can keep messing up so you guys can get me to heaven. Like that. Keep forgiving me. Come on, Michael. Are you humble? Come on. How's your humility? Has this conference exposed things in your heart? Has the Holy Spirit talked to you? Have you answered? Have you responded? What are you going to change? Where are the areas of your heart where you've got to say, i, I, I got to pay the price, and it may just be my, my, my pride. I may need to give up my pride to see the world evangelized. Why are wars fought? People don't want to give up their pride. Why do we have the, why do we have the challenges we had in our former fellowship? Why, why do we have to start? Pride. And men not wanting to give up their pride. Hold on to their position. And yet we've got to be a church of humility. You know what challenges me about Kip and Elena is their, is their, their continuing humility. It challenges me. And then he's getting in better shape and all this stuff. I'm like, goodness gracious, this guy's cracking. pay the price. You know, we, we will go to yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah. We will go to Madrid. Yeah. We will go to Berlin, Germany. Yeah. We're going to Rome. We're going to Bucharest. We're going to Warsaw and we're going to Budapest and we're going to a few other places. Yeah. But it's going to cost us. Yeah. You still part up? You know, London Church, we, we, we've got to pay the price to be the Jerusalem of Europe. We've got to be humble. We've got to be humble. Because when you're unteachable, you're unreachable. And I, I learned this weekend, I, I, I've got to be teachable. I've got to be humble. I've got to give up my pride for the sake of the gospel message. Are there any areas in your life that you're holding on to? You will not give up your, how you feel? A stronghold in your life for the gospel? Come on. You don't realize the power of the gospel? Come on, Michael. If we're to evangelize the nations in one generation, we've got to be a church that's willing to pay the price. Amen. That's willing to be humble. Amen. That's willing to raise the funds yeah. to plant churches. Yeah. Now here in London, we've got our missions contribution coming up. Yeah. And I've been so honored and deeply challenged and convicted and inspired by what everything, everything the LA church has done. Wow. <laughs> they've a million, I, I, don't, I don't know how many times they've given. But if we're to imitate, We've got to raise funds. We've got to downsize our life. Are you willing to downsize your life for the gospel? For those of you here in Europe, are you willing to downsize your life for the gospel? 
Are you willing to downsize your position for the gospel? Are you willing to downsize your opinion for the gospel? Are you willing to downsize your culture for the gospel? Are you a Nigerian that's willing to say, hey, I may need to marry someone from a different culture. They got strengths I don't have. And maybe you're an English person and you're like this. You need some, some joy and some you need to get a different culture. Are you willing to give up your culture for the gospel? I think this scripture, we, we do it to other people, but we don't apply it to ourselves. I think even some of you, oh yeah, I know that one. But are you willing to give up everything? This, this challenges me still. I don't, this, this still challenges me. And I still go, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm willing to give everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love you to God, we all, the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.